0: Hi, Barry Lee with 92.5 Wink FM, excited to host the second season of the City of Winchester's podcast. We call it the Ralph's Review. Twice each month on the second and fourth Thursday, we explore city services, programs, and events, and discuss information you need to know. So we're glad you're with us. Up first is the Council Bluff. That's a bottom line upfront recap of the June 23rd, 2020 Council meetings. At the regular meeting, council adopted two resolutions accepting federal and state funds for the operation of the city's public transit system. Every year, city council is required to approve a resolution to accept the funds and to certify that the city will follow all applicable requirements. The fiscal year 2020 funding totals $439,000 in federal funds and $324,178 in state funds. Council also continued discussions regarding a conditional use permit request to allow a hookah establishment at 30 East Piccadilly Street and four possible options for approval or denial. Council selected option B that prohibited the sale of alcohol or food at the establishment and approved the conditional use permit and associated conditions that were recommended by the Planning Commission. At the work session, Council discussed a possible Zoning Ordinance text amendment that would modify existing use regulations for the B-1 and B-2 districts to allow for non-intrusive light manufacturing in commercial spaces. Currently, the manufacturing uses allowed in these zoning districts have to be non-intrusive to neighboring properties and have no more than 10 employees. The new regulations would allow specific, by-right definitions known as artisan manufacturing. Artisan manufacturing keeps the same intent of the old provisions, but instead of regulating based on the number of employees, it uses square footage to constrain the scale of manufacturing in these zoning districts. This amendment seeks to modernize city regulations to recognize that there are many types of manufacturing that would be compatible with the uses already present in B1 and B2. These changes will provide an opportunity for Winchester to attract new business investment, create jobs, and foster economic growth. Council forwarded the draft ordinance to the July 14th regular meeting for first reading and further discussion. For Council's discussion, the City's Chief Financial Officer, Mary Blow, presented a proposed spending plan for the CARES Act funds that the City received on June 1st. The city received over $2.4 million from the state's Coronavirus Relief Fund and must be used only to cover costs that are necessary expenditures incurred due to the public health emergency with respect to the coronavirus disease, were not accounted for in the budget most recently approved as of March 27, 2020, and were incurred between March 1 and December 30, 2020. Ms. Blow recommended that the funds be distributed to reimburse the city for COVID-19 expenses, to reimburse the Economic Development Authority for their COVID-19 small business loan program, new microbusiness grants, large industry grants, and a reserve for unforeseen contingencies that may come up later this year. Council also discussed citizen requests to rename a city roadway bearing the name of Confederate General Jubal Early, who was an outspoken proponent of white supremacy and promoter of the lost cause until his death in 1894. A list of possible names was presented to council. Some suggested names from community members, recognizing several local and national historical figures, while other names were more general in nature. Council also discussed the need to create a policy establish procedures, and get community input for items such as these. The Winchester Fire and Rescue Interim Chief provided council with an update on the Fire and Rescue Master Plan implementation and efforts taken to date. For more information on these topics and to view the agenda packet or to watch the meeting video, visit the City of Winchester website and click Council Meeting Agendas under the Government tab. The Winchester Fire and Rescue Department provides an important community service, and the firefighters, EMTs, and paramedics are on front lines every day, saving lives, protecting property, and keeping us safe. During today's show, we'll be talking with Interim Chief Haddon Kulp and Deputy Chief J.D. Ondorf about the department and what it takes to be a firefighter. So we're gonna start with Interim Chief Kulp. Welcome to your very first Rouse Review, Chief.
1: Barry, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you very much.
0: You've been with the Winchester Fire and Rescue Department as interim chief for how long now?
1: Three whole weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, a newbie,
0: we thank you for giving up the retirement life to help out the city of Winchester. So, maybe give us a little information on your background and experiences.
1: Okay. Yeah, sure. My uh, my mother's actually from uh, just down the road a piece in Star Tannery. So, I've been coming to the beautiful Shando Valley all my life and... Uh, Following almost 35 years of service in the Prince William County Department of Fire and Rescue, I've stayed active in fire and rescues through state committees and training, and it was uh, certainly my pleasure to come up here and uh, assist Winchester.
0: And so how's it going for you here in Winchester?
1: It's, uh, it's actually going great. We, uh, I certainly hit the ground running. I've been meeting with uh, the awesome fire and rescue folks here and other members of the city leadership team, and together we're developing plans to address issues that we need to get on, uh, get on board with.
0: Well, I'm sure there's a lot to take in and to get to know in a brand new department, but uh, what's been your biggest focus so far?
1: Well, the city council recently received a report that's based on a study of the fire and rescue department. And my focus is evaluating the recommendations and looking for solutions.
0: And Winchester is a combination system. Can you give us a quick overview of what that means? What are the advantages and challenges of operating fire and rescue
1: services this way? Sure, the, uh, the city works in partnership and collaboration with four volunteer partner, uh, departments to provide services. One of the biggest advantages is that these organizations really provide an opportunity for the citizens to have a direct involvement in service delivery, either through participating as fire and rescue providers or through their financial support to the volunteer uh, departments. We're all operating at a very fast pace, so I'd say that uh, ongoing quality communications are our biggest challenge.
0: And in your opinion and based on your experiences what are some of the most pressing challenges the Fire and Rescue Service faces today and in the future?
1: Well things uh, continue to evolve but I I just want to say that I'm extremely proud of the capabilities of our emergency responders in fact because of our system capability and that begins with our dispatchers and then continues to our emergency responders and then into our hospital system the Winchester community really enjoys a resuscitation rate that is just shy of twice the national resuscitation rate. So um, that's that's really something to be proud of. But we've got a ways to go to ensure that we have adequate staffing for all of our services we provide. And that begins with hiring and retaining our workforce. Excellent,
0: excellent. Great segue into our next topic, which is recruitment. And we thank you. Anything else that you'd like to discuss before we let you go and bring in Deputy Chief
1: Orndorff? Sure, just a couple quick things. Uh, Myself, our department in uh, partnership with the Sheriff's Department is going to be holding a blood drive on Friday the 17th of July at the War Memorial building over Jim Burnett Park and that's from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. So um, we're looking for the community to come out and help us support, I know the Red Cross is really hurting for blood these days and uh, maybe they can help us out there a little bit. Uh, A couple of other real quick things is that smoke detectors certainly save lives. And if anybody out in the community needs a smoke detector, all they've got to do is contact the fire department, and we'll, we'll help them out with that. And the very last thing I want to say is that 4th of July is just around the corner, and we hope that everybody practices a very safe uh, 4th of July activities as they celebrate Independence Day.
0: Excellent. Thanks again, Chief Haddon We appreciate your being here. Keep up the great work. Thank you for having me. All right, up next, we welcome Winchester Fire and Rescue Deputy Chief J.D. Ondorf to the show. J.D., great to see you again. It's
2: great seeing you, Barry. Thanks for having me back.
0: So, you're responsible for recruitment and training of new firefighters, right?
2: Yes, sir. My, My primary job responsibility is to oversee the safety, health, and training for all the department members.
0: And what qualifications do you have to have in order to apply to become a Winchester Fire and Rescue firefighter?
2: We're looking for a good person. Someone who wants the job is a good fit. And honestly, you don't need any training, Barry. We're just hiring folks with no certifications at this point.
0: I hear the application process is a long one, understandably, but if someone were to apply, maybe give us an overview of what happens next.
2: So after the in- individual applies for our department, uh, we then invite them to a written um, a, a written test. Um, so at, at the written test, there's, there's three main things that they have to do. And this is just a general aptitude test. So you don't have to have any pre-qualifications of firefighter, EMS background, or anything like that. Um, It's just a general aptitude test. It's a uh, national standard test uh, for public safety, though. Um, So just so people understand that. This includes reading comprehension, listening comprehension, and mathematics. Uh, One thing I will note at this point is that it's very important that the applicant uh, go out and purchase the uh, online study help. Program um, because people that have come through the testing process have said that that's helped them tremendously. Okay. After that, the next time or the next step is the physical ability test. Um, This is where the applicant actually goes through uh, quite a few timed events and uh, to make sure that they have the physical capability of of performing the job. But again, not to scare people away, you do not have to be a firefighter to complete this, but you do have to be in some sort of physical shape to be able to get through that that next uh, the the next test. Uh, next step is the interview um, at this point this is probably where most applicants actually struggled Barry um, we, we really need them to come in uh, and, and have some uh, honing skills or look up uh, how, how to do a good interview because this is where you really have to sell yourself this is where you have to shine um, it, a lot of people come in they have very short answers uh, yes no they don't really talk about anything right. um, so we want people just to be comfortable um, make sure that we're a fit for them and, and they're a fit for our organization that's what we're looking for during the interview once we get through the interview, uh, we then kind of rank people, I guess per se, uh, of how they did through the first three steps of the process. And then after that, uh, we, we then uh, forward them through to start the polygraph and the background check. And then after that, uh, if they make it through that part of uh, the psychological evaluation, and then the medical, physical. Um, just one thing to add during the polygraph is, is for anybody that's listening, make sure that you tell the truth from the application process all the way through. Um, just tell the truth, that's what we're looking for.
0: Sure. Very good, very good. That is a lengthy process, but uh, firefighters and EMTs, I mean, they save lives in dangerous and stressful situations, so I'm sure it's important to make sure that you find the right people who can mentally and physically handle all that.
2: Very much so. And one thing to, um, to remember for everybody that is that wants to come work for Winchester and work in public safety, and especially for the fire department, is that uh, we're looking for good people that will show up on the worst day of some people's lives or our customers' lives, as sometimes we say. So it's very important that we find the right people who can mentally and physically handle that stress.
0: And for those applicants that uh, move along to that next stage and then are recruits, what's the training like? And then how long until they become official professional firefighters?
2: So actually, Barry, we're running our our first Full recruit class right now, um, and it's about 22 weeks of uh, of training. Uh, they go through um, various training aspects, uh, certification classes that include firefighter one, firefighter two, hazmat, uh, emergency vehicle operations course, mayday firefighter down, and then, uh, like I said, EMT, and then a few other ancillary uh, classes. After this, they're placed in the field, as we call it, with a supervisor to acclimate to our department and to our culture. As an organization this is where they're evaluated even more and really where the rubber meets the road Um, of course they go from a a, during recruit class on Monday through Friday mostly day work to now being on shift work so that's another another change in a lot of people's culture that that now they're living in a fire station um, every every third day and then to become fully operational um, from the hire date to completion of initial training is about 12 months Again, we want to make sure our customers and uh, their dire needs are being met at the worst day of their life. So uh, we, we need to make sure that, that, that these people are ready to, to handle that and, and that they, they have what it takes. We don't want people showing up and, and not being able to handle our customers.
0: Totally understandable. By the way, are you hiring currently?
2: Yes, Barry. We're actually uh, accepting applications uh, for an eligibility list right now. Uh, the link for the application can be found at governmentjobs.com forward slash careers forward slash winchester virginia
0: great jd we thank you so much anything else that you'd like to add while we have you here at the mic
2: barry i wanted to thank you for the opportunity for the chief and i to come in and visit with you the opportunity to share the information for the recruitment we are a family-oriented department that is looking for great people to join us i hope that if anyone has any questions they give us a call and our profession is not right for everyone, and I want people to realize that. However, our profession is one that when you enjoy it, you never actually work a day in your life.
0: Well put, well put. J.D., thanks so much for being on the show. Please give our gratitude to the new recruits, to the career personnel, and the volunteers for their commitment to serving others and saving lives. And stay safe.
2: It's our pleasure, Barry, and I'll make sure I pass that message along to everyone. Thank you.
0: Alrighty, up next it's Winchester 101 with Tim Y, the History Guy. Tim, take it away.
3: Hey, this is Tim Y, the History Guy, bringing you another episode of Winchester 101. This time we focus on the history of street naming in the city of Winchester. We know that many of the streets in the Old Town area of the city were named by Colonel James Wood back when he, as Winchester's first clerk of the court for Frederick County, created the original 30-lot plat for Winchester in 1744. Lord Fairfax also created a number of streets in Old Town in the late 1750s. Dr. Quarles, in his book, The Streets of Winchester, Virginia, The Origin and Significance of Their Names, provides an explanation for what these original streets were named for. Beyond the rigid grid of downtown streets, laid out by Wood and Fairfax, other roads had a less planned configuration and branched off of old roads, some of which evolved from Native American hunting routes, like the road we know of as today, Valley Avenue. During the time of early European settlement in the Valley, this road became known as the Great Wagon Road, providing access for settlers coming down from Pennsylvania to points south and west of Winchester. Other roads were established under direction of colonial government or by old farming families seeking to connect outlying communities and or adjoining farms. Thus roads like Millwood Avenue evolved from the Turnpike leading to Millwood in present-day Clark County. Berryville Avenue evolved from the Berryville Turnpike leading to Berryville. Over time individual developers or investment companies would present surveys to the city government to lay out new streets extending off of the major roadways that today bear major U.S. route numbers like U.S. Route 11, 17, 50, and 522. These U.S. routes include Valley Avenue, Amherst Street, Fairmont Avenue, and Millwood Avenue. The new side streets were often developed for residential neighborhoods, such as the ones that branch off of Valley Avenue south of Hanley High School. Sometimes developers would choose names for historical figures, like Thomas Jefferson or Daniel Morgan. Others would name the streets for family members, such as the streets that the Henry family developed off the east side of Valley Avenue, including Montague, Roberts, and of course, Henry Street. When Dr. Quarles prepared his book of Winchester Street Names in the late 1950s, he listed 108 streets. Much expansion occurred in the city between then and the early 2000s when I took on the task as planning director and amateur historian to create an updated history of street name origins. Part of this increase in road name was due to development within the old city limits. But a large part of the increase was due to the major annexation in the early 1970s that dramatically expanded the city to the south and to the west. Today there are nearly 450 publicly owned and named streets and alleys, along with 91 privately owned and named streets and alleys. Of those, About 120 are named for local persons, such as the developer's family members. About 70 streets are named for natural things like trees, flowers, topographic features, and we have a lot of roads named for stones and rocks. There are 57 streets named for Civil War figures. Most of these are private streets in the Meadow Branch subdivision, named by the developer for Confederate generals. Another 39 streets are named for persons or places in England. These streets are mainly in the Old Town area where Colonel James Wood and Thomas Lord Fairfax laid out the earliest streets. Finally, there are about 44 streets that, so far, I have not been able to discern an origin. This includes streets like Wick Street, Tower Avenue, Bruce Street, and Robin Terrace. We know that many roads have been renamed in the city. At some point, Boscowin Street took on the name Water Street due to the frequent flooding of the street given its alignment with Town Run. Likewise, Cameron Street became known as Market Street because of the old market house that stood where Rouse City Hall is today. Loudon Street was renamed Main Street because that's where most of the business were located, including merchants, taverns, and services. In 1926, City Council adopted a resolution to officially rename Bosk Street, as well as Market Street and Main Street, back to the original names that James Wood and Lord Fairfax had established. Market Street went back to being Cameron Street, Main Street went back to being Loudon Street. The Methodist Church at the northwest corner of East Cork Street and South Cameron Street still bears the name Market Street United Methodist Church because of the former street name. There are about 150 former street names that I have been able to identify from old records including maps such as those prepared by the Sanborn Insurance Company. While renaming can cause property owners along those streets to have to change their addresses, it is not uncommon for communities to rename streets Winchester is not an exception to that. There are some streets in Winchester that have been renamed multiple times, including segments of Apple Blossom Drive and Jubilee Drive. Well, that's it for me, Tim Y, the History Guy, until the next episode of Winchester 101.
0: Thank you, Tim. Now it's time for the Now You Know segment where we talk about interesting city of Winchester facts that you may not be aware of or important information that you need to know. This week's segment focuses on the top four causes of home fires, according to the National Fire Protection Association, and tips on what you can do to stay safe. Cooking fires are the number one cause of home fires and home injuries. The leading cause of fires in the kitchen, unattended cooking. So when you're cooking, be on the alert. If you're sleepy or have consumed alcohol, don't use the stove. Stay in the kitchen while you're frying, grilling, boiling, or broiling food. If you're simmering, baking, or roasting food, check it regularly and remain in the kitchen while the food is cooking and use a timer to remind yourself. Keep anything that can catch fire, like oven mitts, wooden utensils, food packaging, towels, or curtains, away from your stovetop. Heating equipment is another leading cause of fires in U.S. homes and home fire deaths. Local fire departments respond to an estimated average of over 52,000 fires involving heating equipment each year, accounting for 15% of all reported home fires. These fires resulted in annual losses of 490 civilian deaths, 1,400 civilian injuries, and $1 billion in direct property damage. Give space heaters space as they account for four out of five heating fire deaths, Keep everything that can burn at least three feet away from home heating equipment and have a three-foot kid-free zone around open fires and space heaters. Never use your oven to heat your home and remember to turn portable heaters off when you leave the room or go to bed. Electricity helps make our lives easier, but there are times when we take its power and its potential for fire-related hazards for granted. Electrical distribution or lighting equipment ranked first in direct property damage and third among the major fire causes in the number of home fires, fourth in home fire deaths, and tied for third in home fire injuries. Wiring and related equipment accounts for 7% of all home fires and 9% of all home fire deaths. Smoking materials, including cigarettes, pipes, and cigars cause approximately 5% of reported home fires 21% of home fire deaths, 10% of home fire injuries, and 6% of the direct property damage each year. And one final tip for all residents, remember to check your smoke detectors at least twice per year. Smoke detectors save lives and the National Fire Protection Association recommends testing and replacing smoke detector batteries when you change your clocks for daylight savings time. Well, if you didn't know before, now you know. Well, that's it for this week's Rouse Review Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Barry Lee with 92.5 Wink FM. We'll be back on the second Thursday in July at 5 p.m. So long for now. Stay safe.